Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. As we said last week, as we were looking at the Matthew 16th chapter, when Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. We mentioned that there is a difference in speaking what is revealed to us before it is known than there is after everyone sees it. How many times have you heard people say, well, the Lord showed me that after it happened. <laughs> you know, after something happens, well, the Lord was showing me that that was going to happen. And how much stock do you put in that? I mean, it just devalues it. I just as soon, usually the policy I follow, I follow is if I saw it beforehand and I didn't say it beforehand, I shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, if I didn't have boldness to say it before, I shouldn't have boldness to say it afterward. And, uh, and people who do that, I mean, they just devalues their stock as far as saying the things of, of God. It's, they're telling you right off the bat, well, I thought this was God, but I didn't know. I wasn't sure. So then what's that say about the rest of the things that they say? You've got to get to this place in spiritual development where you are willing to speak the things that God reveals to you before they are evident. Once they're evident, anybody will speak it. <laughs> But a spiritually mature person, one who is spiritually developed, will speak the things God reveals before they are known. And it's such an important thing for us to learn. Unbelievable how important this is to learn. Many people will never grow or develop spiritually because they refuse to speak or declare beforehand what is known. Now, many people are declaring things, but are not what God said. And we'll get into some of that here, here today. But you've got to get to that place. You just, you just won't grow. You won't develop. You will stop right where you're at. If all that you can declare is what is seen, then you will have problems. Remember, Jesus was asking them, Whom, who do people say that I am? What are you hearing? And they told him, and who do you say that I am? And they declared what it was that God revealed. And that's what we have to get to. To get to that point. I've told you a number of times in teaching that there are many times I declare a thing we're going to get into and I don't even know the answer. <laughs> but if I'm not willing to stand up and declare it, then I'm not willing. To, I'm, not, I'm not in a place where I need to be to receive that thing. You know, I, don't need to make a, I don't make a stink of it. I don't let you all know that I don't know it. I just tell you. And I tell it to you like I know it. <laughs> Because in my estimation, I do. <laughs> I don't have it yet, but I don't need to have it yet. If God revealed it to me, if God put it in me to speak, then I'll speak it. And I'll know I'll have it by the time I have to get into it. Because we rely on Him. It's not ourselves. It's not our own mind. It's not my mind that has to put all this stuff together. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we see this principle in practice. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Well, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And it took him out to this place. So we don't know if he was physically there or just there in the spirit. But he was there enough that he could speak. And some say some things to it and interact with what was going on there. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full 
of bones. We're not told where these bones came from, who it was who, who died. We know that they are Israelites. They were the tribe of Israel from the rest of the passage. But he caused me to pass by them all around. So he got to pass by all around and see all the bones. And there were very, very many bones in the open valley. Now, it was just bones. How many of you all watch those CSI shows where they find a pile of bones and they're trying to connect which ones go to which one? Just piles of bones. And he says to him, Son of man, can these bones live? He says, can these bones live? He doesn't ask, should these bones live? He says, can these bones live? He doesn't say, he doesn't ask, will these bones live? He says, can these bones live? He's just looking at this. Do these bones have the ability to live? Not should they? He's not asking them to stand in judge of their life or, or cause of any, any other reasons. Not should these bones live? Will these bones live? But can. Is it possible? Is it possible for these bones to live? And he comes up with a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Lord, you know. <laughs> I mean, is that a cop-out answer or what? Oh, man, that's just a cop-out. That's kind of like when your wife comes up to you and says, does this dress look, make me look fat? <laughs> you need a cop-out answer at that point. Because you know no answer is a good answer. There's just a... This is not right. There's no good answer to this thing. But here's some possible answers to this thing. What could he have said? Absolutely not. They're dead. I guess if you were asking me, maybe they can. I mean, if God's asking the question, it can't be an automatic yes or no. Got to be easy asking the question. So he's got some other answers he could put in there. Or we could put in there. But he just takes the cop out. I'm not going to answer yes. I'm not going to answer no. I'm just going to say, Lord, you know. You know the answer. <laughs> now, God doesn't ask Ezekiel if he wants the bones to live. And he doesn't reveal to him whether he wants them to live. But would they come alive if Ezekiel wanted them to? If Ezekiel walked into this valley of bones and Ezekiel decided, I want these bones to live. Would they have lived? Well, I may not know the exact answer to that. I would say probably not. Because there's a lot of things that people have wanted. And they haven't all come about. But here in this story, we have the fact that it seems that God wants these bones to live. He wants them to live for a reason. And if God wants them to live, they can live. But what brings the power in this story? The fact that God wants them to live. The fact that God says some things and tells Ezekiel to say. That's what brings all this to power. So what is happening? And let's, we'll get into that. Let's go get into uh, verse 7. I think that's where we, where do we leave off at? Four? So he says, Verse 3, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you. That's just muscle. Cover you with skin, put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So he's telling him, prophesy to these bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of Ezekiel. But Ezekiel's speaking it, but he doesn't say hear the word of Ezekiel. He says, hear the words, the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, don't you think they would hear the word of the Lord anyway? But he says to them, hear the word of the Lord. Why does he say it to them? Because God said so. I mean, if God says some things, you just don't question it. If God says, say it this way, yes, sir. Say it this way. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So this is what he is to do. And he's told by God. What is this doing? He is declaring what God says before it's visible. Now, understand this part of the story. God brought Ezekiel from wherever he was to wherever they were for the purpose of prophesying to these bones. Why doesn't God just speak to him himself? Why doesn't God just strike the rock and let the water come out himself? Why doesn't God just speak to the rock? Why doesn't God just Himself declare that the Red Sea will turn to blood? Why does He speak to these people to tell them to say these things? Why does He do all that? Why does He tell Peter, say this? Why does He tell Elisha, Elijah, say this? Go to the king and say this. Declare this. Why does He say Elijah, go and tell the king, there shall be no rain on the earth till at my word. It is so important that we understand what it is to declare the words of God. It is so important. And you will not grow as long as you cease from declaring the words of God. As long as you never get into Declaring the words of God. As long as you keep declaring the words of yourself, as long as you keep declaring the words that you hear, you will not grow to the level that you want. You have got to get to the place where you will declare the words of God. Now here's something really interesting to note in the Word of God, in the Bible. Most times that God gave His Word to someone to speak, no one else knew about it. Was there anyone that Moses could confer with and say, I got this word. What do you think about the Nile or the, the Red Sea splitting apart? What do you think about the Nile turning to blood? That's never been done. That can't be God. It's never happened. What do you think about a bunch of frogs coming up? Well, I don't really see the purpose of that. I mean, we'd be affected by them too. 
it's, it's always the Word of God comes to one person. And that one person has to stand up and declare it in front of everybody. And most people think they're nuts. I mean, Moses, the Israelites, Israelites thought he was nuts. The Egyptians thought he was nuts. Pharaoh thought he was nuts. I wonder what Joshua thought sometimes. How about Aaron? What are you saying? We've got to stop waiting for people's approval and letting everybody else come along and, and uh, they all need to be, be on. But you see, see, at the same time, I can declare my own words and get just as much disapproval. And there's no power in that. I declare somebody else's words and get disapproval. And there's no power in that. The only power is declaring what God said. This is why spiritual maturity is so important. You've got to hear the word that God says. And then you need to repeat it. Because until you get to the place that you declare what God says before it happens, you're not moving into it at that level of stuff. And it's not just for things that impact the nation. It's things that impact your own life. It's things that impact your kids, your family. All that sort of stuff. These all have an effect on it. You've got to get to that place. Boy, if only we realized how powerful our words could be, we would be less quick to speak. Less, be less quick to speak. Find out, what, God, what do you say on this thing? And then declare that. Be careful what, the, what things you let utter out of your mouth. We told you before a long time ago. Most of you probably remember the scripture. Let your heart teach your mouth what to speak. We're letting our head do it. We're letting other people, opinions, things like that get in there and affect it. Verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. Well, that's good. It's always good to do what you're commanded. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied... There was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. No CSI needed. <laughs> they all just found their way to... Oh, wait, I go to that one over there. And they all just found their way and reattached themselves the way they were supposed to. That's the way to clear the room. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. Now, that would just gross some people right out, wouldn't it? I mean, the first part might scare you, but the second part just gross you right out. <laughs> Seeing all that muscle just form on all those bones. Seeing the flesh form on all those bones. Seeing the skin come and form on all those bones. That might just gross a lot of you out. But I love this verse. So I prophesied and as I was commanded, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise <clears throat> and a sudden rattling. This is as he's prophesying. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen until he prophesies. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the um, plagues of Israel don't happen until Moses prophesies that they're going to happen. The Red Sea doesn't part until Moses prophesies that it's going to happen. The walls of Jericho don't fall until Joshua prophesies it's going to happen. 
Six days, we're going to march around it one time. The seventh day, we're going to march around it seven times. After that, we're all going to do this and the walls are going to fall down. How many times was Israel's army put in front of a massive army and God says, this is how I'm going to deliver you? And says it. Sure enough, it unfolds. Comes about just the way He says it. But someone had to get up and declare it. Someone had to get up and say it. The word of the Lord came to someone, but someone had to get up there and say it. I wonder if Micaiah, if God came to him and says, I need you to say this. I need you to declare this. I'm going to bring this about, but I need you to get up there and say it. I wonder if he had to get up there, if that was an assignment from him. Because he sure backdoored it. He brought it in through the back door. He got to, he had to be asked and then he came on out and declared the thing. What, how it was going to happen? What was going to go on? And if you really get right down to it, the things of the end times, folks, have been prophesied. They've been stated beforehand. The words have been said by who? By men. God gave the words to men. And Daniel proclaimed it. And John proclaimed it. And Paul proclaimed it. And it's all coming about. But these things were prophesied. People had said it. As he prophesied, there was a noise and a sudden rattling. The bones came together. Verse 9. And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Well, that's verse verse 8. Indeed, I looked as the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Did not the prophecy include breath? It did, didn't it? So how come it didn't work? Verse 5. Thus says the Lord God to these bones... This prophecy, folks, is in two parts. The first part is to the bones. And when He spoke to the bones, the bones did everything that they were supposed to do. But the first, the, the first prophecy was spoken that was spoken over the bones. Some of it didn't have to do with the bones. And in verse 9, And He said to me, Prophesy to the breath. So he first prophesied to the bones and the bones did all that the bones were supposed to do. But the bones were not the breath. The bones were not the life. The bones were not the spirit. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on those slain that they may live. Well, what happens to a spirit when the body dies? It separates. So he first pulled the flesh back together so that there was a house for the spirit. And then he calls the spirits out. Spirits, come on back. Breath, come on back. And get into these bodies that are here, that are right now lifeless. So it's a two-part prophecy. First off, prophesied to the bones. And he declared to the bones, you're going to have skin on you, you're going to have muscle, you're going to have all that sort of stuff. And life is going to enter you. And now he's prophesying to the life, to the Spirit, to come upon them. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. 
And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you in the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So even though they look like they're dead, God says, I'm going to bring life. We're going to rebuild the whole thing. You're going to have your land back. You're going to have life back. So he first prophesies to these bones. But then he goes on to prophesy to them. Now whether this was just something that was represented for Ezekiel, that he would go on out and maybe tell the story, or whether they actually all stayed alive and whatever, I probably believe the former. But he prophesied to the bones that they would live. He prophesied to the breath that it would come. So it's a two-part prophecy. But then he doesn't stop there. He goes over in verse 15. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourselves and write on it from Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them. So this is all for a symbol. But what he does is he takes one stick for Judah. Judah is the lower tribes. Represents the lower tribes. Judah, Benjamin, and of course Judah had a whole lot of the rest of the tribes in it because a lot of them left when Jeroboam had taken over. But then he goes over and he has another stick and this is the stick of Joseph. Remember, Joseph is one of the twelve sons. But when it came to the dividing up of, of the inheritance and such, it was given to both his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Which of the two is the oldest? Manasseh is the oldest. Ephraim is the youngest. But when the prophecy was given by Joseph's father over them, and he crossed his arms and Joseph tried to get him to switch it back over. He says, no, he said, both will become great, but the younger will become greater. And the whole northern tribes were so dominated by this son of Joseph, Ephraim, that very often the northern tribes were referred to, and you'll see it in the Word of God, as the house of Ephraim. Not just Israel. Not the northern tribes. Just as the southern became known as Judah, the northern very often takes the name of Ephraim. And so he says, take one stick, put Joseph on it, and he's the, this is the stick of Ephraim, Ephraim, and for the house of Israel, another one for the Judah and join them together. And he says, when you do that and you put them together and hold them together, they will join and become one. Boy, wouldn't that be a sight? See two dead sticks join and become one. That would be something else to see. And the children of Israel would see that and say, what's all this mean? 
So you say this to them, verse 19. Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in their land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them, over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. David, my servant, shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt. And they shall dwell there, they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst, in their midst forevermore. So it prophesies again about the king of David and this, of course, will be fulfilled with Messiah when Jesus comes to rule over them, that he will be their forever king and he is of the house or the lineage of David by birth. And that gave him the right to the kingship over Israel. And that's how God was going to fulfill this. But he's going to bring this nation together. No longer a northern tribe, no longer a southern tribe. They will be brought together. And again, one on earth needed to prophesy that these things would come about. He needed to prophesy in the hearing of the people. Say this to the people. Speak this in their hearing because they're going to ask you, what's this mean? And this is what you were to say. That's how important it is that we give voice to the things that God reveals before we see it. They weren't going to see any of these things for, for years. For years it was going to be till they saw this. But it was necessary to be prophesied. It is so important that we declare the things of God before they become evident. What has God said in His Word? What has God revealed to me? And begin to speak that thing out. Many of us have callings, have things that God has shown us that we're going to do. And all we declare is what we see. We don't declare what God has said. He's made His promises in His Word. And all we do is declare what we feel, what's around us, not what God has said. This is prophesying, to speak what God reveals. That's what we need to do. Speak what God reveals. I put a simple definition of it in your Bibles or in your, in your outline. Pro- prophesying is simply speaking what God says before it happens. 
prophesying is simply speaking what God says before it happens. That's all that it is. That's all prophecy is. But we have to get into that realm where I am confident that when God reveals something to me, I know it's God. And I can speak it out like it's so, like it's true. And I know it will be that way. I know it. Simply speaking what God says before it happens. So if the Word of God says that I am healed and the report comes that I'm not, and I speak what God has revealed in His Word, what am I doing? I'm prophesying. Is there power in prophesying? Now, in order for a prophecy to be a prophecy, we had two prophecies in this thing. And in both cases, now the first time He said prophesy to these bones, and that demonstrated it for Ezekiel. But He said, go out from here and do what? Declare it to my people. For prophecy to be prophecy, you have to declare it to people. You've got to say it in front of folks. Oh, that's so hard for me. That's why it's not working. For prophecy to be a prophecy, you must declare it to other people. There's no prophet in the Word of God who lived in a cave and never came out. You're not a prophet. You're not declaring anything. Elisha came out and said things to people. Declared it. Elijah came out and declared things to people. God commanded him, go and say this to so and so. Go and say this to this one over here. Go and declare this to the nation. Jeremiah, go say this to the people. Isaiah, go say this to the children of Israel. Tell them this. Tell them not to do that. Speak this. This will happen. This will happen. This is going to happen over here. And he would get up and he would declare it. And the people say, I don't like that. And they'd beat him up. <laughs> Prophesy. We've got to get into that role a lot more than we are. We've got to see that I have a, a prophetic role in my life. That God will reveal things to me. And when God reveals things to you, you need to speak them. But you need to speak them the way God would speak them. There's sometimes people that, that God will show, I mean, put it this way. Here in Ezekiel 37, is there not some negative traits of Israel that God has de- declared? There sure is, but the prophecy doesn't contain the negative. The prophecy contains the positive. I will take my people out of this. I will make my people one. I will rule over them with one king. What the the word of God comes as prophecy is positive. It is taking them to to a good place. There are a lot of folks who have taken what God has said and seen the negative and they just declare it. That's not so good. Now there are times prophets came up there and they said the negative. They told the king, you've been a worshiper of idols. For it, you're going to die. And they did. <laughs> but, but you know what? Hit the positive side first. <laughs> if God comes over and says, say this to them, they're going to die. All right, then you got to go up there and say that to them. There were times the prophets came and they said, you will die. You will die. In the case of Ahab, we saw that uh, that kind of got moved back a little bit because of his actions. So hopefully more people do that that type of thing. But it's going to happen. You're going to die. Those kind of things can come about. 
when you're prophesying for, and have some things to say about, about other people. But for your life, you've got to begin to, to learn how to prophesy in your own life. How to declare the things that God has said for your own life. How to declare the things that God has said for your own children. How often, let's just take our kids for example. How often are we declaring negative things about our kids? Oh, that kid is so irresponsible. I don't think he will ever change. I don't think he's ever going to get his head screwed on right. Mm. He is the laziest guy. Aren't we declaring stuff like this? We got to not. Get in there and declare other things. I'll bet you've even declared negative things about fellow church members. Said negative things about, oh, I don't like when this, oh, when this one does this, oh, and then this one over here, and then, hmm. What are we doing? Are we uttering the words of God? Now, think of it this way. How often was Elisha, Ezekiel, Samuel, Moses, how often were they to declare the words of God? Part-time? All the time? Did God ever give Moses a break? <laughs> I was off duty today. I didn't know I was on... On, I thought I got one day a week off. No, that's not it. We don't get time off. Don't be looking at this and say, well, I was just on a break. <laughs> I was taking a coffee break for a little while and said some other things, non-profit things, and now I'm back on again. No, we're in this full time. That's why you need to let yourself be careful about the words that you say with your mouth, about the words you speak over your own body about the words you speak over other people, about the words you speak over their life, their calling, their ministry. You be careful about the things that you say. Words must be in this prophecy mode. Now, understand this. Moses, was he not held to a different standard than Joe Blow, who just lived in a tent somewhere in the nation of Israel? How come he never became a Moses? He may not have been willing to be full-time. He may not even been willing to be part-time. He may just want to be out there and speaking whatever it is he sees, whatever it is he feels. How many Christians just speak whatever they see, whatever they feel, because they feel like they have the right to? Well, I feel like that one's no good, so I'm just going to say it. Oh. Be careful. What you say with your mouth. Be careful what you speak. Be so careful about those things. But begin to find this, this mode in your own life. This will lead you to more spiritual maturity. Prophesy over your life. Prophesy over other people's lives. Realize the responsibility that's there. That you can speak it and flesh comes to bone. Spirit comes to flesh. You can give life to a thing. Oh, how many times people ought to know 
how much life they've given to terrible things in their life. Terrible things in their life. Given life to it. Their own words. Their own things that they've said. Well, we put this in your outline too. Why doesn't God just speak these things? Why doesn't God just speak these things Himself? Why doesn't He just say them? Apparently, He needs us to do so. He needs people out here to, to speak those things. So be one of those. Father God, I will be one of those ones who will speak those things. You reveal it to me, I'll speak it. I don't need to see it. If God's revealed something about your son, about your daughter, about your spouse, about your place of employment, about your boss, speak it. Oh, how, how much it would, how much of an impact it would be. You're there, your boss is unsaved. He's got this thing going on with him. And you, and you get revelation from God. And you feel it down in your spirit. He's my boss. He may not be happy if I bring religion into the workplace. Oh, I better, I might get fired. Oh, I can't do that. Boy, if God would only think of these things. You know what? I mean, if God only had enough sense to read the rules before he gave revelation. Oh, my. We were listening to a story for those of you who got the uh, took me up on my challenge and got got some of the podcasts out that was talking about the, the Grace Fellowship one. But did you hear the one from I think it's Mario Murillo? No, not yet. Haven't heard those. Yeah. He has one on there called Condonation. Condonation. Had you hear it? Yeah. Oh, boy, it was fun to listen to that one. If you haven't heard that one, go back there and get it. Listen to it. I'd like to get it on video and just bring it in for y'all to hear it. Oh, it was fun. It was good. This is an evangelist. He's just going around declaring some things and, and doing some, and God would reveal things to him about, uh, about stuff that was going on in, in his life. And he would just begin to say it. And, uh, and there was one place he was, I think it was Bar- Ber- Berkeley University, something like that. They had this big hall and he heard, um, Jane Fonda, I think it was. She was in there giving an appearance and all these folks were in there and I don't know, they were doing something against God and, I forget, it was a while ago that I'd heard it. They were declaring some things that were negative and, and stuff. And it came up in him and says, we're going to see this place filled with people giving glory to God. And a number of, uh, sometime later, I don't know if it was months, years, whatever it was, and God stirred that up in him. And he went over there and got the paperwork for it. You go back on out there, online, you can get the whole story. I'm kind of, I'll probably butcher some of it because it's been, I wasn't really thinking of it much for, for this tonight, but it seems to fit in pretty good. He got the paperwork on it and uh, read over the rules to rent the hall. And some of the rules were you cannot be a religious organization. You cannot convert anyone to a religious idea. And there was a third thing too and I can't think of what it was. But anyway, all these things, he said, man, that leaves us out. There's no way. They have not left any room for us at all. And he just put that up. He wasn't going to mess with it anymore. And I don't know, sometime later, a couple years or whatever it was, that God stirred that up on him again. Going over there, and he he reminded God. Apparently, God had forgotten. He reminded God about the rules. I read the rules. I can't get in there. Apparently, God didn't know that. So he's informing God, telling him about all this stuff. I can't do all that stuff. And he says, "I want you to rent whatever poly hall or what is, what is that? What it's called? Something like that. And I want you to rent it. And uh, 
And so he, he did so and God gave him revelation. I forget all the details of the revelation he got. But basically, he got on up there and they asked him, are you a religious organization? He says, no, I hate religion. <laughs> he said, we're here to expose religion. Oh, that's fine then. Here you go. <laughs> and so he got on through and he did all the things that God told him to do. And at the end, he says, now, he says, I can't convert anyone here tonight, but Jesus can. So if Jesus is with you right now and he is converting you, would you just raise your hand up? <laughs> and 70 people, they said, raised their hand up and got converted. And he said, that's where they started off with. And, uh, and afterwards, after they got all done and, and they were, uh, uh, you know, putting all their equipment away and talking with the people who got converted and stuff, the uh, person who ran the, the hall called him into his office said, I need to see you at my office. And he knew, you know, it's like going to the principal's office. Or something like that. <laughs> so he gets up there in the office and, and uh, he begins to talk with her and, and she says, uh, I know what you're doing here tonight. And she got up and she looked out over the place and he says, you know, I look out over here, there's no needles on the floor. There's no broken glass. There were no incidents. No fights. He says, you know the last time we've had an event here that we don't have all those things going on? He said, but what you did tonight was wrong. And I need to punish you for it. And so you must come in and one month, or one, one day out of the month, you will have service here. <laughs> that was his punishment. <laughs> And so they went on and they had service after service and uh, they got to the point where they were just glorifying God with more people than Jane Fonda had brought on out and oh, just a number of stories. I'll tell you what, if you can get a hold of that podcast and download that thing and whew, it was good. His whole, he had like three or four uh, services he did there at Grace. Sound like he was there Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night and there may have been a fourth. I thought I was listening to a fourth one on that but anyway, uh, going out there and get that, get the whole story in there. But just a great, uh, great demonstration of proclaiming things ahead of time, saying those things. I mean, he had to say some stuff that j- it just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't possible. The rules, <laughs> the rules are there. Can't do it. We've got to get to a place where we're willing to declare the things that God reveals before we see them. Before we see them. Let's declare what God wants to do. Stop looking around and see all the things that are going on. What's God revealed to you about your life? What's God revealed to you about your children? Speak that over them. Oh, if we only picked up what the Old Testament people did. <coughs> Jacob laid hands on his children and prophesied over them. Spoke what would happen. Look at some of the things he prophesied over his kids. Look at some of the things other people prophesied over theirs. See what they did. See what they declared before they had any evidence of it. How important it is. When we speak the words spoken by God, things happen. When we speak the words spoken by God, things happen. Now those things can be things He spoke in His Word or things He spoke to your spirit. But things will happen. Speak them. Declare them. 
You need to get to a place that you are mature enough that you can recognize the things of God so that when He speaks to you, you know it's Him and you can just say it. And powerful things will go on. When we speak the words spoken by others, will things happen? Well, if other people are saying, you know, you're going to get the flu. You know, you're going to lose your job. You know, this thing's going to happen. If we do that, when we speak the words spoken by others, will things happen? What things would you rather happen? The things spoken by others or the things spoken by God? You give voice to those. But if you're going to choose to speak the words of God, know that you will come against resistance. Against from believers and unbelievers. They will resist you. You make sure you hear from God and you stay with it. Prophesy to these bones. They can live. Remember his original question? Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Prophesy to your own situation. Can this house be paid off? Can I prosper at this job? Can I succeed where no one else has? Let God speak to you. Let God give you revelation. But for some of this, you're going to, you can't just go out there and do what you want. I mean, you've got to seek God in this thing. If you've got something going on with your kids, get before God. Seek after God in the thing. Let God speak to you about it. Too often, we're letting our flesh speak to us and passing it off as being God. We see somebody in church doing something we don't like, and immediately our flesh rises up and speaks all kinds of negative things. And what do we do? We give voice to it. Did you see what so-and-so was doing? Did you hear what they said? Did you see what they were wearing? (laughs) And we give voice to it. We speak out those things. Why are you speaking out the words of your flesh? Speak out the words of your spirit. Thank God God doesn't pick on you for all the things that you do that are silly and unnecessary. Thank God He doesn't do that. And dear Lord, folks, if you ever talked evil about what another brother or sister did in the Lord, I don't want to be on that side. I just try and keep my mouth shut on something. There are sometimes people do things and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know what? I don't give it a second thought. I just go off. Leave it alone. I don't, I don't need to mess with it. Just, just go on. I don't lose sleep over it. I don't wonder about it. Get affected by it. You know, you get, I could have all kinds of people. I could, in workplaces, I could have had all kinds of people thinking evil things about me. I care less. It just didn't bother me. If you want to, go ahead. Waste your time. It ain't going to bother me. I didn't let it bother me. And I also wasn't going to think evil things about them. Even if I already knew they were thinking evil things about me and saying evil things about me. So what? Don't bother me. I'm going on. 
I know what's right. Don't get caught up in that sort of stuff. Stay out of it. Because all we spend our time listening to our flesh, giving voice to the things of our flesh. Give voice to your spirit. Give voice to those things. And speak those things out. Oh, it's so important. You can speak life to where it looks like just a jumbled bunch of bones. I mean, just think of the power of that. If a man of God can be called by God and put into a situation where there's just a bunch of old, dried, decaying bones. And he says, speak life. And he does. And it changes. But it doesn't change until he says something. How many times have we been the ones sitting there looking at the dry bones and saying, oh, woe is me. I'm in a valley of dry bones. <laughs> and instead he's got an army. An army around them. Because of what he did. Father, we thank you for the life that is in your words. That when we hear things spoken by you and give voice to it, there's power. Prophesy to these bones. Father, we need to prophesy in our own life. To hear the things that you say and declare it before we know the answer. Father, I thank you that we can do that. We don't have to wander around lost. Father, we wander in this world knowing where we're going. We're not lost. We walk around and we go from place to place in the places that you lead and places that you direct. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.